Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. This content is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial or other advice. Nothing contained on here constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement or offer by Draper Gorenholm or any third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments whatsoever. Hey everyone, it is me. We are here. Uh, we, Joseph is here too. Say hi, Joseph. Hey, what's up? Boom, boom, boom. We're recording. Good morning, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. I am recording this on the computer now. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Boom. All right. It says it's recording. Boom. 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 I am apparently recording. The entire bottle control. They're all exactly the same. Crypto art. And then what it really is, is an NFT. Wow. How do you want to slap the bag? So this is the next best thing. DeFi is going to be a bubble. It's provably scarce. With Mad Dog. Crypto, gold, and silver. Transparent substance. Take my money. Start a war with it. Without further ado. Cheers to you, brother. Get shit done. Because the system has to collapse before that. Cheers. I feel much better now. Cheers. (laughs) Wow. That was heavy. Boom. (laughs) Now live. Uh, I had to create that because uh, both uh, Joseph and uh, Adam back in the day would give me a hard time when I'd start every stream and yell boom. Uh, and so, uh, dang. Okay, first off, Ali, what, what are you drinking? Uh, this is uh, some Japanese sake. Ooh, fancy. Uh, how about you, George? I am rocking it in the free world, man, with the Heineken uh, zero, 00 this evening. I got to pace myself so I can keep up with All you right. guys. All right. I've got a uh, slightly higher octane here, but barely. It's like 2%. Um, uh Thank you so much for joining us, guys. And thank you for the community. I've seen a bunch of people in the chat. Please uh, chat. Let us know where you're, uh, where you're at, what you're drinking, how you're doing. Uh, feel free to ask questions in the QA. I'll probably share a link soon for anyone who wants to potentially jump on stage with us. Um, and make sure, if you're watching, to go to meet.blockchainboos.io. Because if you go to meet.blockchainboos.io, you will uh, potentially be able to join us on stage. You can also ask questions in the QA section. You could chat with uh, the rest of the people in the community. And then after we're done with this hang session, you'll be able to turn on your camera and network and, and hang out as well. But um, guys, this is going to be fun. So, so uh, uh, both George and Ali are, are friends at this point. We've, we've now all known each other for a long time. And sort of this new format or experiment I'm doing with blockchain and booze is that I'm going to bring a few crypto friends on board, uh, hang out and talk about what's been going on, see what they're up to, and have this be a little more conversational and hope the community can join us a little bit in questioning and hanging out and stuff. So first off, um, welcome. Ali and George. Uh, Ali, why don't you start? Tell us, uh, tell us about Blockchain Founders Fund. Tell us what you do and, and how you got in this space. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, as mentioned, Ali Medavji, uh, so I'm managing partner at Blockchain Founders Fund, and we invest in and venture build top tier startups. Uh, we are also uh, limited partners on Loyal VC and Draper Goran Home. Uh, so, you know, we, we sort of enjoy working together. We also did Lunar Crush together uh, and, and sort of portfolio companies on, on both of our sides. Um, and then I also serve on the board of two public companies in the crypto mining space. Uh, so one of them is a company called CryptoStar, which is a Toronto Stock Exchange venture company. And the other is Mechanical Technologies, which is a, a NASDAQ uh, listed company. Nice. Very cool. So, I mean, that's a, a wide spectrum of uh, of responsibilities going from crypto startups to public companies like the the chasm probably couldn't couldn't be uh much bigger um but also lunar crush huge fan uh um so so george um you you know speaking of uh, big public companies and and large institutions and and more uh you know professional style um uh businesses going to the crypto space you just uh, uh, made a transition. You just launched H2 Crypto. Tell, tell us uh, about that. Well, I can give you the kind of the full version or the truncated version. Which one would you like kind of the medium? We, we, in, somewhere in the middle. We got, we got an hour. Uh, let's <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Well, look, I think my story is kind of an interesting one because you start to see a drove of people from the traditional finance world, obviously, uh, streaking into the blockchain and cryptocurrency world. And I think my story is probably uh, no different than several other folks out there. I will say it took me about five or six years to fully understand and appreciate it. But my quick story begins in 2015. I was working for a small New York money manager called BlackRock. And a colleague of mine at the time who subsequently has become a dear friend. And if he's on here tonight, Ed Rosowski, hello. I know he's a big fan, of big, big fan of blockchain and boost. But he came to me and he said, hey, what do you think about Bitcoin? Again, this is 2015. I know this is a family show, so I'm going to be a gentleman. And I said to him, Bitcoin is the biggest crock of X. And you can fill in what that X might be that I've ever heard of in my entire life. And we laughed and we joked about it. And I remember back in 2015, we were trying to figure out how to set up an account. He was a lot smarter than me. He figured it out. I couldn't, got frustrated and said to heck with it. And I forgot all about it. And then for some whatever reason, at the beginning of 2020, I decided to finally get serious about truly trying to understand what, what are cryptocurrencies? What is Bitcoin? And for me to do that, I needed to start with kind of the fundamentals and the foundational level of what is blockchain and what is distributed ledger technology. And I started immersing myself into as much literature as I could get my hands on. So I started subscribing to every single daily periodical I could read, books. LinkedIn obviously was an unbelievable facilitator where I could meet people from all over the world that were in the space already. And man, I just had this massive aha moment. And for the first time in my career, I could finally understand what this I thought was ridiculous saying about the Gretzky effect, right? Wayne Gretzky wasn't the greatest hockey player in the world because he skated to where Puck was, but where it was going. And for the first time in my life, because I was always like, I always called BS on that, right? Was he a magician? Is he clairvoyant? Come on, that doesn't make sense to me. But when I started understanding this technology, I said, this is, there's no doubt in my mind, this is going to be more transformative to the globe 
than the steam engine, the cotton gin, and the internet itself. And it's a matter of those who know and those who have yet to learn. So the bottom line is, um, by the time I finally kind of got my sea legs with all this, it was sometime in uh, August of last year. And I decided to use my son as the guinea pig because I certainly wouldn't lose any of my money on this. But I figured I would do a sacrificial lamb. And that was my dear son. And so we tried to open up account for him. We had all kind of issues, couldn't figure it out, tried to ask for help. And I kid you not, this was in August of 2020. It is now July 6th of 2021. And one of the major exchanges in the U.S. were still waiting on their response. This has been 11 months. So then we go to the next one. We finally figured out, but we had some issues. So we go, who was there to call? Who was there to email? Who was there to chat? And we all know the answer to these questions, which there isn't. You're out there in the ether, pardon the pun. And so um, we just kind of took a leap of faith and hope everything worked. About four months later, I finally got my wife to open up account, the same thing. And I said, this is absolutely ridiculous. This is absolutely insane that there is nowhere to turn when you need help. And yet you're instilling someone with your hard earned capital. So I was able to meet a couple of folks that Mr. Gorin was kind enough to introduce me to. And we have developed this, what we're calling Next Generation Cryptocurrency Exchange, H2 Crypto. And it will be the first to offer true 24 seven, 365 live client support. So that's it. That's, that's wild. And I mean, we've, <laughs> like it's 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 like a, a meme or a joke at this point uh how bad customer support and services uh are on exchanges but like we've sort of been used to it so if you've been around long enough like i don't know i set up a kraken account in 2015 or maybe early 16 or something like that i mean i don't even know how to log you, into it anymore do you but, remember the days where like 90 percent of your tra kraken transactions wouldn't go through like yeah, on a centralized exchange. <laughs> but no, 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 because it would kept failing to to put in the orders. Like it just wouldn't do it back in the day on Kraken. They fixed it a lot. Like I, yeah. I've I've heard they're much better. I stopped using Kraken, but I mean, uh, it was just crazy in those days. And, and we're not calling out people, but you know, you're talking five years ago, and when we were doing this in 2020, and we hit you know trades, submit, go. And you just see spin, spin, spin. You're like, wait, what does that mean? You know, and like, who, help, help. It's like, yeah, well, forget that. So, I mean, if you look at the numbers, they're pretty staggering. I, I think that most people that are in our space take for granted that, oh, there's everybody in the world that's in crypto and it's just, you know, uh, ubiquitous, it's everywhere. And it's quite the opposite. That's the reality. You know, you're talking about a global populace of around 8 billion. You have 106 million users, plus or minus about a, 125, 133 basis points across the globe and report after report after report that comes out. Why is this adoption rate so low? It's a simple answer. People are afraid. They don't know what they're doing and there's nowhere to turn. So this isn't like some, you know, in, insane secret that's out there. But for some reason, um, it's been allowed to go on to, to, to this point. And the reality is, you know, and I'm not knocking any of these names, won't mention any of them. But the first generation of cryptocurrency exchange, the business model was if we build it, they will come. And it has worked beautifully. But I think you're seeing more and more traction with this thing to truly take mass adoption. You cannot ask someone to fork over their money. And when they have issues with it, there's like, yeah, you're screwed. Sorry about that. 
No yeah, well, okay. I, by the way, uh, I failed to mention at the beginning that we're streaming live on Lunar Crush and all of Lunar Crush's social as well as all of ours. So I got to throw this out here and uh, throw cool. the Lunar Crush logo. <laughs> but I have Lunar Crush always open uh, in a tab and it's pinned. And while you were talking, I brought up the social contributors, right? So you're talking about mass adoption. Um, there's 200,000 average individuals a day that talk about crypto. The highest day ever had 808,000 individuals talking about crypto. How many people did you say there are in the world? About 8 billion. Oh, okay. So we haven't <laughs> even begun yet, right? So, yeah. so it's like so, so crazy early um, that, you know, it's, it's, it's ab, you know, it's 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 sort of mind blowing because we live in it every single day, day in and day out. So to us, it's like, you know, it's happening, but it's really still just 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 the beginning. Um, I want to remind everybody who's watching: feel free to uh, jump into the chat and um, and also ask questions in the QA. So, um, uh, Ali, you know, we we've we've been in in the space for a long time, like you said, <laughs> when centralized exchanges and I think most people's experience with centralized exchanges being bad are on those like crazy days when the market is dumping and the market is rallying and, and everything comes down crashing, right? But it, it used to be that on the boring days that you couldn't get uh, trades to work and things like that. Um, but now even centralized exchanges are more are more usable. Um, are you seeing? You know, you invest in early stage companies. Are you seeing that? trend kind of getting better uh at least you know i think we're getting to the point where mainstream technology can work we're getting to the point where guys like george are launching companies that can actually be used by the mainstream people feel comfortable with them um are you seeing that more with with other categories other than trading like gaming uh you know other things? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, so we sort of break down into a couple of parts, right? So, so one of them is looking at blockchain companies that are not using crypto, right? And then there's sort of the crypto sort of more crypto related uh, companies. And we're seeing it on both of these sides, right? So if you take blockchain, which a lot of people still, you know, struggle to find real good use cases in, in sort of, you know, enterprise or sort of corporate, etc. You know, for example, uh, we have a company in the media entertainment space uh, called BeatDap, and they now track over 70 million monthly active users in the music space. So this is uh, between uh, the streaming service, you can think of like Apple Music, Spotify as a streaming service, and the records and labels, right? And they help reduce that discrepancy or eliminate that discrepancy between reported and actual plays. And so this is, you know, solving a huge $4.5 billion plus problem mm -hmm and already gaining major, major traction on this, right? And then you could look at, you know, in gaming, I mean, you know, um, you know, Splinterlands is a good one. They're a portfolio company of ours. I know you're, you're well aware of them. And I saw, I saw my, you and my, playing my, it. My son and I play it sometimes uh, with each other. As we were talking about it earlier before we went live, because uh, um, I'm a fan of theirs. There's, there's like, uh, I always joke on, on Twitter and stuff, there's like a few companies in the space that I talk about that aren't in our portfolio. I wish they were in our portfolio, but, but you know, I'm, it, it's how you can, uh, you know, you can tell that I'm a nerd for the space because, you know, there's, uh, I, I even shill companies that aren't in our portfolio. There you go, right? But I mean, it's fun too. It's a fun yeah. game. 
Yeah, and they're they're crushing it, right? I mean, uh, I think uh, the last I looked, in-game assets were up over 23x in sort of the last year or so. I mean, that performance is is pretty crazy, right? Um, and uh, and and all of their land is sold out already. All of their card packs, their major card packs, are all sold out right now as well. Uh, they're having record number of users every day. I think yesterday was another record that they broke uh, in terms of user signups. And so it's just fascinating to see sort of every every day, every other day, they're sort of breaking some other record that, that they, uh, you know, in company history. So, you know, we're seeing tremendous uh progress. I think people love just the gamification um, and sort of what they built there. And we're seeing it with with other things in the NFT and gaming space uh, as well. So it's yeah, it's it's yeah, it's uh, like Jake just said in the chat, it's it's way too addicting. It really is. It's super fun. Um, oh, Splinter Lines player. That's the thing, so though. Awesome. If, you were like, if you were a kid that grew up buying comic books or buying comic book cards or baseball cards, things like that, there is also that just like, you know, I, I, not to, not to uh, mention a Splinterlands competitor, but I played Gods Unchained uh, this oh, week with my game. kids too. And we opened up some new packs and like, it's so much fun to, to open up the pack, to see the graphics and whatever, but then also get the cards and do the whole thing. Um, I'll give a shout out to a, a, a funny project on Tezos just did something similar where you can like you you randomly get a card you don't know what it's going to be until it shows up it's called Pixel Potus. <laughs> it's really funny. It's like these pixelated presidents and then you combine the cards to make the more rare cards. And so I've got some super rare like George Washingtons and and Abraham Lincolns and it's ridiculously uh, addicting, right? Like. Because you just get into this, it's it's the same thing as being like a kid, collecting it, getting that rare one, knowing that it's rare, knowing that somebody's willing to even pay for it. But I never sell them. I probably should, but I never do. Um, but it's 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 so much fun. And Splinterlands did a great job of combining that with the cards, um, uh, with with the packs, all of that stuff, and then the gameplay too, kind of like that Magic: The Gathering style gameplay, but being different enough to to be really fun. Um, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna check the, uh, the QA, but before I even jump into the QA, I don't know if you guys saw this, another uh, uh, thing um, I, I saw a Lunar Crush staring at my uh, dashboard, although now I can't bring it back up because um, I have the other screen on and all my bandwidth is, uh, is on here. Okay, I don't know if you guys saw this, but did you see that um, uh, US congressman uh, disclosed, uh, Alabama congressman <laughs> disclosed on his investment records uh, today that he holds Dogecoin. I, I, I think I think that's the second one, right? Or, or no? I, I, I don't know about Dogecoin, but it was, yeah, it's definitely not the first one that has crypto because um, yeah. I also looked, it's all in the category of $1,000 to $15,000 worth. Like they, they have to move in categories. He also has like Cardano and Ethereum and, and, yeah. and some more serious ones. But I don't know if you guys saw this because it's so funny. You know, it's so funny to see the the chasm, right? Like there's uh, some congressmen calling for bans, and some are are buying Dogecoin. <laughs> I yeah, I, we we could talk for hours on that alone, Alon. I think that's a microcosm of of everything else going on. I, it's funny you said that because I didn't see the Dogecoin article, but I did see another congressman today talking about a full on ban on crypto. So it's interesting. I think this person, if I remember correctly, maybe in the Midwest, 
but I didn't see the it, one. Oh. It could be it could be my uh, my good friend Brad Sherman here in Southern yeah, California. I think He's, it was uh, him. Oh, is that who it was? Brad Sherman has been on. Uh, you know, I, I thought that maybe a couple of years passing him understanding some things, some large financial institutions getting into the space, he'd change his mind or at least start playing another tune or something. But he's saying the same bullshit that he said two, three years ago. I have yeah. an op-ed piece, so I'm I'm local. Like I'm literally in the uh, jurisdiction right next to his his uh, his district. And I used to run, uh, now my friend runs 805 Startups, this local startup community thing. There's like 3,000 members of 805 Startups. So because of Brad Sherman, I mined the database and I figured out that 1,000 out of the 3,000 members of our startup community live in his district. And so I went and I like did an op-ed piece in the San Fernando Valley Business Journal, his local business journal that, that peers of his read and, and that, that sort of generation likes to read and whatever. And I, I ripped him, but I like did it in a respectful way. Like, maybe you don't understand. Why don't I take you around town and introduce you to a bunch of the companies building blockchain startups in your jurisdiction that are creating jobs and, and adding to you know, the, the prosperity of your community. And of course, I've reached out to his office and never gotten a response. I had another group reach out on my behalf and say that like, they would allow him to, to invite a moderator and, um, and have like a, a public uh, discussion about it at the venue of his choice and no response, of course, at all, ever. Um, but what's funny is that this week, one of those uh, groups that I offered to introduce him to, I purposely named big investment firms and companies in his jurisdiction, one of his firms actually posted a big long thing, uh, a whole thread on Twitter and uh, about how because of him, they left the area and they moved somewhere else. And, and, and that was one of the people I, was, I named outright in the article that I was going to introduce him to. So it's just, but it's also such a BS because the crypto community are like the smartest people in the world and they started doing research on him. And, and the big surprise, his biggest donors to his campaigns are financial institutions. <laughs> and the people who don't really want Bitcoin to be proliferated, right? So it's, it's you know, it's so ridiculously transparent. You, you know, honestly, I think that... Um ignorance is bliss when it comes to this. It, it blows me away the amount of either legislatures or financial people. Okay. And, and, and I can cast stones at the financial people because I was one, right? I was at the time, this 23, 24 year Wall Street guru knew everything about everything. And when somebody introduced it to me, I immediately said, oh, that's the dumbest thing in the world. I thought he made that. Da, da, da. Why did I say that? Hubris, arrogance, but most importantly, Ignorance. I had no idea what I was talking about. And it's amazing what happens to human beings when they pick something up and read it and try and learn and educate themselves. Well, and you're also not on the investor protections committee. You would <laughs> think he might understand something. But like when they like it's like clear that like I, I at the first time I was like, oh, somebody wrote this for him. Like this is crazy. You can't be this dumb and be getting here. And then I and then it's like so obvious that like it's they're like towing a line. They have to say a certain thing and they're purposely reading a pre-written statement and will will not ever comment, talk to media, have a public debate where they have to actually, you know, have an argument. Only pre-written statements about why it should be banned and why it shouldn't be allowed. 
And even when other congressmen explain to them how, you know, the U.S. dollar is actually used disproportionately um, in terms of, you know, for all these illicit things, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, well, it's all, I'll tell you, this is, this is kind of on the same topic is, you know, there's been a lot of press over the past couple of days about financial institutions in the U.K., and if you look at some of the, the banks that they're talking about, whether it's Barclays, NatWest, HSBC, um, these guys know what's going on, right? They aren't trying to put the proverbial kibosh in cryptocurrencies because they think all cryptocurrencies are used for nefarious activities. I mean, HSBC, if I'm not mistaken, um, has been in a lot of trouble throughout their times with uh, some of their clients and the nefarious actions that they're doing. These folks are trying to, and again, I'm not trying to be political here, but they are trying to ring fence an industry that basically is slowly but surely slipping away. And that's happening across the globe. And I think they're gonna do anything and everything they can to kind of deflect you know, what's, what the truth is, as opposed to slightly trying to alter what's going on in their favor, making it seem like they're being you know, the good the good corporate citizen, if you will. And again, I'm not trying to be political, but I've been in financial services for twenty seven years now and kind of know how the how the game is played. The problem is the genie's out of the bottle at this point. I mean you're yeah. talking about an industry that is, you know, it was pre pre market kind of pulling back some, but you know, roughly ten percent of US GDP at two trillion. So you're you're I think that ship has kind of sailed. But that being said, whether it's congressmen here or financial institutions there, everybody's fighting to try and maintain the status quo. Yeah. It, it, so what I mean, the, the thing is, I think that the, the smart folks uh, in the room are going to realize there's certain, like, you can't, like, you know, I, I just joke, you can't unring this bell, right? Like, exactly what you said, the cat's out of the bag, it's, it's done. But the fart, the, the fart, <laughs> the old farts at the smart financial institutions, uh, um, they, uh, they, they understand that, that you can't um, unring the spell, right? They understand that certain things are here to stay. And you saw, you know, City make their announcement, I think it was uh, last week or the week before, where they're, they have, um, they're going to be offering all sorts of crypto products and they have a whole group, uh, a crypto group. Um, I've known some of the people on that group, uh, and I've met them before, and they've been working for two years behind the scenes getting City to, to make their moves. So it's not something new, it's not something they, they've only half thought about, but I think that the, the folks who really get it are going to take advantage of it and provide it to their consumers. Like what you're talking about, George, providing a quality service for folks who are sort of scared to step in these financial institutions can offer some security, right? And, and make people feel like, um, you know, there's, there's some interesting opportunities here. And so, you know, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. I've got, um, it's funny, one of the people uh, who are backstage, if you're, if you're listening, you can go into the chat um, in, uh, in meet.blockchainboos.io, hang out with the community there. But jump in the chat if you want to uh, see the link to get up on stage. It's a, a StreamYard link. One of the people backstage uh, uh, is is Freddie from uh, H2 Crypto also. I'll bring him up stage for a minute because I think we got a couple of questions in the QA. But uh, others, uh, David Kim, I see you back there again, but it looks like your camera's off. Uh, get that camera on. What's up, Freddie? Freddie's in the house. How you guys doing? What's up? 
Hanging out in the dark, getting shit done. <laughs> yeah, all day. All right, I like it. I like it. Uh, how are things going? What's new with you? Uh, I'm gonna jump into the thing and look for a good question. Uh, H2 crypto question. Yeah, maybe we should uh, just working. Does anybody have any questions about what we're doing? You know, like yeah. Well, so I, I'm sure I, I do love. Like, how is he pulling this off? So I, I was gonna say, Freddie, I do love this painting behind you. Oh, you like, oh, okay, so yeah, I'm into Renaissance art. I used to be a decorative painter, Venetian plaster, gold leaf. Uh, I used to paint frescoes in my 20s. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'll now show you what you're, 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 you're like two or three years past your 20s, you no longer do it? Well, it's, it's very labor intensive, especially Venetian plaster and things like that. So once you get past like late 30s, uh, mid thirties, it's probably time to move on and find another career. So <laughs> I, I, I can imagine. Well, now with NFTs and things like that, there could be, there could be a Renaissance to your uh, Renaissance paintings. Exactly. Um, so I've got a couple questions, H2 crypto related. I think, uh, there's a couple here that they, they all kind of uh, blend. So I'll kind of, uh, paraphrase here. So one, um, what, what does make H2 crypto a little bit more, um, you know, uh, Oh, looks like also somebody Ray. Uh, looks like he he might need uh, have, can help uh, can help with some outsourcing if you guys need more workers. So keep that in mind, Ray. Uh, maybe hit me up, uh, Ray, and uh, I'll forward your info on. Um, so so a few people asked, what makes H uh, two crypto different, um, and why why is your your support better than than others? Um, that's the first question. So. Okay, so this, I, I've been in IT for a while. I've worked on many client service departments and desks before, but this is crypto and blockchain. We got to treat it a lot differently because there's risk mitigation involved with everything. And, you know, our clients come number one. So uh, I don't really want to go into too much of like secret sauce and everything like that, but we are, we created a hybrid model of AI and human beings together in tandem to be able to scale this business properly. Um, within a, a client service department, you usually have like three tiers. And the, the higher up the tier, the more technical the client service representative usually is. Well, we're going to have that, but we're, we're also going to have a, a level zero, which is uh, AI. And it, when, when you call in and ask a specific question, um, they're going to give you the answer to that. And um, there's a lot of benefits to this as well, not only scalability, um, but the AI integrating with the client there's um, vocal pattern recognition and things like that where I can I can for sure tell that it's that person calling in. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of um, other types of mechanisms that we're using for security barriers, um, but this is just a start. I, I can't really mention too much because it's intellectual property and uh, spent a lot of time on this. Obviously from other startups, I had uh, you know, market research the last like three or four years and I really started to understand by working with clients uh, you know, on their computers, you know, what they want, what they need. And I want to provide that to them in the safest environment possible. And that's what H2 Crypto is for. That, that's awesome. Uh, one of the one of the questions also led into, um, is it going to be based in the U.S.? Do you have pro, uh, plans for international? What are the what are the steps? That is a George question. I <laughs> Uh, I presume, are they speaking to um, investors and traders as far as our, our scope? Um, 
I think that, no, you know, uh, so Joe in the chat just added, uh, you know, a similar question. He said, is H2 crypto US-based and targeted or will it be a global solution? So I know that it's US-based, but are you yeah. targeting mostly US-based traders and users or do you plan on opening it up internationally? All the above. So we are domiciled in the United States. Absolutely. We feel that uh, being here, there's a tremendous amount of low hanging fruit. You still only have probably, I would argue, one 800 pound gorilla in the space. And you have a couple of other um, competitors in the space that are kind of on the fringe. I think that we feel that the opportunity set here is enormous. The interesting thing about our business model for us to be successful, we don't have to steal one client from one current exchange. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, there's only 100 million out of 8 billion that have exposure. And a lot of these people that haven't gotten in is why we are starting. And that's exactly going to fill that void. With that being said, we think that uh, globally, there are a lot of places for us to look. Um, first off, on the developed markets, we like Canada a lot, so we will be going to Canada. We will be looking at uh, Western Europe. Those are some expansion areas for us. And then, quite honestly, a lot of what we're doing does have a bit of some altruistic slants to it. And I believe it's very important from my vantage point, from Freddie's vantage point, and our other co-founder, Jake Perez, his vantage point, that we, we kind of want to help people out. And we understand that one out of five across the globe are unbanked. They have no access to credit. They have no fighting chance whatsoever. So you're talking about communities in Latin America and certain parts of Asia, obviously in continental Africa. So we want to actually try and do our part. You know, the one thing about this industry that I find highly hypocritical is everybody talks about the democratization, give people a chance to fight back, give people a chance to get their freedom back, give people the chance to, you know, have take over their financial world. And that's awesome. And that's beautiful. And I agree a whole heart, hundred percent. The problem is how can you do that if they don't feel comfortable or know what the heck they're doing? Well, you can't, that's just the bottom line. You cannot do that. Right. So again, that's why H2 crypto is coming in. We understand this. We want to fill that void. And yes, we would love to have uh, global expansion. Love it. Okay, so uh, Freddie, I'm gonna I'm gonna bump you off the stage because I'm gonna bring David up. Um, but uh, uh, it was awesome to see you, and I've got a couple other questions here too. I might hit one of them before we even fully talk to David. Freddie, it was awesome to see you, man. I'll talk Thank to you. Soon. And, and I'll send I'll send you my address for one of these Renaissance paintings. <laughs> Just send, send me your crypto Whoa. address. There Wait, you said you say Renaissance? Did you make the the one with the Dogecoin head? Now I couldn't even. No, see that. I, I didn't. Okay. Do you guys like that? Because I, I bought it because every single time I look at it, it just cheers me up. I it's so it. cool. It's not even funny. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not. You know, what's funny is that I usually like I love that kind of stuff, but I wouldn't end up having it. Like I buy NFTs and I love NFTs. and I like things that are really unique and that someone spent time on. And the meme stuff it, for me is not something I would probably end up buying. But it's just awesome to see. So maybe I would for an office or something. I don't know. I, I love it. I'm, I'm, we we actually I'm might need that painting later, Freddie, to curry some favors with an Alabama congressman. So hold on. <laughs> I never know. There you go. All right. Okay. Uh, good to, good to see you, Freddie. Thanks, Freddie. Um, um, David is great. Great to see you again. Um, before we even jump in to, to hang out and talk to you, I'm just gonna, I brought you up because you know you, you now have this second week in a row, I'm loving it. 
Um, we have a good question that actually is along the lines of what George was getting to. We mentioned earlier um, what how adoption is just the tip of the iceberg right now. Um, so there was a great question that Dan said. So he said, so you're talking about a max of 0.01% current global engagement. When, when do you guys predict 1% and 10% global uh, engagement? Obviously highly speculative. So he knows we're talking out of our asses right now. But um, when, how, how quickly do you see us getting to 1%, which I guess is about 10x, actually 100x what, what uh, the, the Lunar Crush um, stats are telling us? And when do you think we get to, to 1,000x that? So what, what do you think, uh, Ali, you go first? <laughs> It's a good question. I mean, I mean, the lunar crash side is, I mean, is measuring, uh, of course, on socials, right? Um, and so, so basically, the um, confining group is then technically, say, Twitter users, not global population. So that's one one caveat I'm gonna I'm gonna put on to here. Um, but but I, I do think that it's I mean it's always fascinating to see sort of the data that they're putting out um, and and the best part I think is that it's free right which is also why we got involved with with Lunar Crush um, and I, I think it's a tool that literally everyone in the crypto space should be using if they're if they're looking at altcoins um, in terms of when it's going to hit one percent I mean it's a it's a good question um, I mean I probably got to check what what the updated number of of Twitter users uh, are let's see. Uh, 200 million, uh, apparently. So, uh, so if there's, there's 200 million users and how many, how many, uh, I mean, that means the peak was almost a million. It was like 900,000 or something, but that wasn't wow. just Twitter also that included Reddit and, and oh, all okay, this stuff. So if, I, if I switch it to only Twitter, it would be less, but let's say, let's say it has to more than, it has to like three X probably, let's say for, uh, for it to get to that. One percent of Twitter users talking yeah, three, about three X. I mean, we'll see it. We'll see it in the next year for sure. You know, yeah. If you look, let's let's. I'm gonna bring that back up really quick so we can see the trajectory. George, what do you think in the meantime? Well, uh, uh, how quickly you think the markets will grow? And I'm gonna bring this uh, social. So here's what I'll say. I, I don't know necessarily about a date, but I'm gonna throw out two catalysts that are gonna effectuate the adoption rate change. The first catalyst is the United States government having some type of clear regulatory rules of engagement. OK, when we were launching this business, I vetted four or five different attorneys in major law firms because we wanted to understand what the protocol was with regards to what we were doing. We literally got five different opinions. And so we all know that the institutional space, even though 2020, I think will go down as a seminal year because you finally start seeing some institutional adoption. But we all know the institutional space is really waiting on the U.S. government. So I think once we get clear guidance, I think that's going to be an enormous catalyst for more people to get into the space. The second thing is, which is going to be a little bit tougher um, is the volatility around the asset class. I think that what's interesting about cryptocurrencies is they've been around now since 2009. So you're talking about an industry that has been around for 12 years, but yet I would also argue it's still in its very, very infancy. So I think that when those two events happen, and by the way, H2 Crypto uh, is working on something to help potentially really manage and mitigate volatility, which we think could be enormous. 
But I think that those two catalysts are where you're going to see a flood of entrants coming into the market for the first time. I'm, I'm su super, super excited and, and bullish for, for services like this. Now, think about this. So social contributors, you know, crypto has gotten a little less sexy over the last uh, uh, month and a half, uh, two months, right? It, it spiked up. But what's really, really interesting is even at today, which is uh, pretty much a low for the last uh, five months or so, um, we're 300%, 296%, about 3x higher uh, number of people talking about crypto than one year ago. We're uh, 9x from two years ago. So do, you know, it makes sense, three, 3x and then 3x from that, right? Another 3x uh, this, this year um, makes perfect sense, I guess, right guys? So, um, so uh, very, very, very interesting. I, I love diving into some of that on, on Crush. Um, so, you know, and, and it's all speculative, right? And, and Ali made the, the most important point, which is we're just talking about people who are talking about trading crypto. And I think that that's always going to be a much smaller subset of people who are using it. Um, it's like, you know, people who talk about financial services versus the people who have a 401k, right? Um, I, I, I rarely go, I mean, it's much less exciting, obviously, but I rarely go to social media to, to talk about my 401k, right? Um, or my uh, Schwab account, free crypto. Um, so it, it, it does make a lot of sense. We're going to be using it in games. We're going to be using it in, in all sorts of facets of life. And as banks start adopting it more and more, also we're going to be using DeFi protocols in place of banking services, right? David, how are you doing, man? Yeah, I, I totally affirm everything that everybody is saying because, George, on your point, you know, I work at one of these like fancy law firms. Okay. I, I, I've, you know, sat in on seminars about that exact kind of issue. And on top of that, I've had conversations with my friends in Silicon Valley at the fang companies explaining, you know, just the basics and like, okay, you can do a lot. And they had the same exact response, you know, like, okay, we're all pretty smart. You know, we all went to the top tier schools and like, uh, you know, we're doing all right. And you know, what's it going to be? You know, what's it going to be? A bunch of dogs, right? <laughs> So that's, you're absolutely correct. And I think like what you're doing with H2 crypto, and I put a question in uh, on the chat, it's like, what do you do with like the very basic issues that someone dies, lost keys and passwords? Cause I think that's just going to be terrible. What do you, what are you going to have when you just have, you know, you can't reverse transactions. You can't, how are you going to collect just, just people just go lose stuff all the time. So I think what you're doing is so important for adoption. Then okay. same thing, Alon and uh, Ali, like the games, I mean, what you said along, right? Imagine if there's like a massive game, right? Like what you see on esports, like League of Legends, right? Or one of these games says, you know what? If you want a game token, we're gonna hook up, you know, with Stellar. We're gonna hook up with Bitcoin. We're gonna hook up and make this the official whatever for this yeah. game. Right. And well, could, we brought we brought it up last time in the context of the Barclays Center being renamed the FTX Center and all these things like that. But like, you know, a couple of years ago, probably three years ago, it was such a huge deal when the uh, the uh, uh, Dodgers did their NFT bobblehead experiment. Yeah. You know, we're we're all you know, we're based in LA, right? So it was like everyone in the crypto sphere out here was talking about it. Um, but 
there more and more integrations are happening, right? Even if it's just the Mavericks accepting Dogecoin, all these NFT things, like these mainstream things will all of a sudden, you know, imagine the second the Mavericks decide to get every single person who shows up to a game or, or a whole season, some kind of NFT member, you know, thing, right? That's all of a sudden hundreds of thousands of more NFT holders in, in one partnership, right? And then, I mean, talking about uh, uh, Tezos now is on, on like two or three F1 cars, right? Like uh, the Bitcoin car, the Dogecoin car that crashed. You know, all these, uh, uh, was it excellent? Like you couldn't have made, I thought that that meme was actually, you know, a joke. I thought that was somebody manufactured it. Uh, we talked about it last time, though, but it, it, I still can't believe that it was a real thing. There's a slow motion video of the Dogecoin car crashing where you see the Dogecoin like, like Shiba Inu face just go across the screen as it's crashing into a wall. And it was just like, you I, I, you couldn't have made a better meme, right? Like for, for the crypto space, whatever. But it's, you, it's, it's absolutely true. One game decides, you know what? You will be, we'll make our, our assets transferable in the same way they already are, right? But tagged onto a blockchain, right? It's well, gonna well, be what's really fascinating, cool. what's fascinating about this is, Sort of in in what I do, you know, and, and I'm sure say, same with you, Alon. Like I've got a lot of Fortune 500s calling us all the time to just explore stuff. A lot of family offices right now as well, and so we're talking about some of the largest, you know, gaming companies to uh, all sorts of other other companies, fashion, etc., that are looking at this space now and starting to dive deeper, having teams like take a, a much closer look. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did start making uh, big moves in this space sort of in the in the coming year or two. So uh, definitely some really, really big things happening. And I think as you sort of alluded to, I mean, that takes it from some of these companies with, say, 100,000 users or 50,000 users to, to literally millions to tens of millions and, and, and sort of, you know, growing from there. So uh, it, it's definitely exciting to see and, and be part of. Yeah, coupled with products like, and I mean, keep bringing back to it because you're here, George, but coupled with products like H2 Crypto, exchanges and products where people have trust, right? People feel comfortable engaging. We're, there's only a certain percentage of us who are crazy enough to, to engage in, in decentralized exchanges, especially a few years ago when, you know, talk about a transaction not going through, you you lose money, <laughs> serious money, if, if you accidentally pasted the wrong address and whatever, right? And uh, that happened to all of us in, in all sorts of ways. And that's not going to work for, you know, the average person. I think I brought this up in a meeting the other day, and I don't know if this is still the case, but when I used to do um, stuff for the, the startup communities and the angel investing world and build platforms for that world, the number one, we used to talk about this at our meetings, like at, as a company when we're building products, the number one largest group like affinity group of people who are accredited investors in the united states are doctors right so if you think about that they're the people who can afford but also could legally participate in investing in private companies and is the average doctor a computer nerd is the average doctor uh and if not they, they probably are more sophisticated maybe than the average person when it comes to certain things of course right they're doctors but are they going to understand using a DEX, right, or, or whatever? And you have to build products that work for them. And, and they 
are going to be participating in our space or are starting to participate in our space. Um, I, I had an ear infection a few, like a couple months ago, and I talked to this, this old man, uh, ear, nose, and throat doctor I went to about Bitcoin, like pretty much the whole time. And he gave me his card afterwards. He's like, we're going to talk about Bitcoin, right? But that guy is not, like he told me, his friend told him to go on the Coinbase a couple years ago, buy Bitcoin. He never did. Now he's mad. So he's going to call me up. We're going to talk about Bitcoin. But if a product like H2 Crypto existed back then, um, he totally, uh, totally would have would have come on board. Uh, David, any any thoughts or last words before I grab one more person from the uh, backstage to pop up on stage and uh, we we go into networking mode? Oh no, I, I totally support like what you guys are doing and pushing and exactly talking about. My cousin's a doctor. He asked me the same question you did a lot. Yeah. Right. Same question about three months ago. Same exact. Same question. Far away, man. It's 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 wild. So David, wait, give a quick plug. You are a uh, securities attorney, or just at a big law. Oh no, no, I'm I'm from I'm from. Oh, I heard uh I heard uh, Frederick talk about intellectual property. That's my space. So, okay, IP. I, right. I just assume in the crypto space, it's a securities attorney. I think maybe I'm just like on the lookout, on the high alert. <laughs> Um, no, no, because it's exactly what you guys were saying, like about the use cases. There's a lot of people yeah. in the banks looking for the use cases for the next gen uh, applications, right? Beyond trading, because exactly yeah. what you're saying, Alon. You know, like okay, traders are kind of they get a lot of headlines, but your average person's like, I don't got time to trade, yeah. you know, twenty four seven against algorithms. And, yeah. and computers. I no one's you know they're just not I, they're not going to do that. It's it's also you know there needs to be a uh, one there's investment products that exist now that can kind of fill the gap right like that are automated and you know if we brought on a securities attorney they'll tell us which ones are are kosher and not in terms of you know DeFi versus centralized and stuff like that but there's so many sophisticated exciting products and I think that's where financial services will go there used to be this graph a few years ago about fintech. Fintech was scary to banks, right? But it was an opportunity and there would be there was a, uh, a really interesting uh, thing, I'm trying to remember if it was PitchBook or somebody else created called the, it was a graphic that showed the Wells Fargo homepage and said the unbundling of a bank. And it showed the Wells Fargo homepage and then it had a bunch of arrows all around it with logos from startup companies who were just basically destroying product by product. Every single product that, that Wells Fargo was selling there were a better version that a startup was launching, right? It was peer-to-peer -peer lending, it was consumer lending, it was student loans, it was you know auto loans, it was every single little type of product a bank could, could offer. That's what's gonna happen with crypto, you know? The first bank that decides to make Aave their back end for their financial, for their savings accounts and can offer their, uh, their, um, their customers 9% interest on their savings account are gonna break bankrate.com and everyone is going to move over to them, right? There's no stickiness anymore. I remember working at MySpace 12 years ago, 14 years ago, whenever the heck that was, and moving all of my money to Emigrants Savings Account or whatever the bank was called, Emigrants Direct or something, because I went on bankrate.com and they had like 2.5% interest. And it was mind blowing, a savings account that could get you like almost 3%. Like now, like now, you'd be lucky to get a fraction of a fraction of a percent. But that's why we're in crypto, right? Like it's it's so fun. All right, I gotta kick you off, David. Good to see you again. I hope to see you next week. Uh, we got. I'll, I'm gonna add. Uh, oh, here we go. Remove David and.
Andrew. Hey. What's up, dude? Okay. I think this might be the first time. Oh no, you were, you were up here last yeah, time. Yeah, I was here last week. I did get up backstage in this part, right? By the way, <laughs> I'm gonna throw throw this plug in here. If you're watching on YouTube or on Twitter or somewhere that's not um, on on our system already, come to meet.blockchainbooze.io because we're gonna open up the networking section in about five minutes. And whoever's watching can come hang out with each other. Turn on your screen, come hang out with us. Um, if Ali or George has time, uh, hopefully they can come and hang out for a few minutes too and meet some of the, the audience. Andrew, what's hey. up, dude? How, how's, how's your week been? It's, been? it's been busy. It's been good, what though. Are, I, you, you know, I, uh, I'm working on, uh, so I, I'm building, actually, I'm building my platform out. I've been uh, coding a bunch this week. Uh, nice. I got my platform coming up soon. It'll be uh, going live, uh, hopefully within the month. Uh, the IoT just, platform, right? The yeah, exactly. For connecting your IoT exactly. stuff. You got to keep us updated. All yeah, right. definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I came in late. I was like, I saw you guys. I was like, uh, you guys are live. You know, I had to send out a few things and I, I got in a little late, but uh, I wanted to come in and join the conversation. Say hello. Love it. Um, so, uh, oh, we got a good, good question backstage. Uh, Andrew, stay on for the last few minutes. I think cool. this, this one... Will will pertain. I think Ali will will probably have some things to say about this, but it's probably focused on um, on George. Um, it, it's it's uh, uh, from our Fred Edrazowski actually. Uh, he said, "Why launch a high tech, high touch platform? Is there really assets behind people not willing to move into typical exchanges?" Ah, uh, go ahead. You want me to go or you? Uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll sort of go briefly uh, and just sort of, uh, you know, continue on sort of a point I alluded to earlier, right? A lot of the conversations that I'm having right now with, you know, major family offices, you know, major funds, a, a lot of high net worth individuals. I mean, if you think about the people primarily that have accumulated the most amount of capital, uh, it tends to not be your your sort of twenty year olds and, and and sort of thirty year olds and you know they there it tends to be sort of your your boomers right and and they have you know potentially a lot of personal built up wealth or generational wealth um, you know or, or sort of their family offices but they're still in the older generation that might still be sort of managing it even if they're sort of heirs to it and so. Uh, I mean, there is a lot of capital, a ton of capital. I would say the vast majority of the capital is, uh, you know, definitely outside of the space. Um, so, I mean, George, I think that probably set, sets it up quite well, probably for, for your point. I mean, I, you know, I, I might be uh, icing on top, but no, I think I think what you said hit the nail on the head. Um, with that being said, and, and let's face it, you know, the, the older generations are typically, I hate to stereotype, uh, but they can be less technologically uh, proficient as younger people are. And they don't necessarily have the time or patience to fiddle around with trying to figure things out and set things up. So if they have something that's about as plug and play as you can get with help on the other side, uh, there is no doubt that, well, it, again, it doesn't really matter what I think or, or my colleagues, Freddie or Jake, it's report after report that talks about this. The other thing is, and this is super important, uh, when I first got into the space, I noticed there was two demographics of people, for the most part, that were investing in crypto. You had tech geeks, and I guess I'm going to use the word geek, and I apologize because then I'm going to talk about financial services geeks. Hey, geek, geeks, a compliment. Financial services geek. 
And I used the word nerd the other day, and I had to clarify the person I was talking to that ju just as an FYI, I'm using this as uh, a compliment. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. Not as a, uh, as, a, uh, as a negative. But I take it as a badge of honor, man. <laughs> but, my, but my point is you had like these really these two demographics that were in the space, right? And, and the, the tech savvy people made sense. The financial service people kind of made sense because they're markets related and market driven. Um, but when you take someone like me who had worked on Wall Street for 25 years at the time, and I'm trying to figure out what to do. And I'm not saying just I worked on Wall Street for 25 years makes me this, this guru. But if I had issues with it and then once I really did have issue and tried to get help and there was no one there, that's when it's like, come on. I mean, come on. So, yeah, we can talk about demographics, older and more money and all that. But what about savings, you know? And so if, if and that's that's one of the things I wish, you know, if I could go back to my 23 year old self and say, hey, what would you do? Start investing early, start saving early. And those people need it. So it really is the gambit. But Ali, to your point, that boomer generation um, and really, I, I would say, you know, 40 and up is going to be the lion's share. But that doesn't mean the 20 to 40 year olds you oh. know, need help. Here's something that came out the last couple of days. One of the uh, the articles I didn't even get to yet on the list of the top articles on Lunar Crush that I looked at before the, we got on here. Um, the that smaller group that is a huge opportunity. Here's how huge of an opportunity that that group is. Um, Robinhood just disclosed that they earned $30 million in fees just from Dogecoin trading over the last couple of months. <laughs> $30 million in fees, right? So it's mind blowing, right? Um, and it just shows, and, and you know, it just shows where, where the market is going. And I remember, you know, Robin Hood launching, I don't know, about 10 years ago and people dismissing it the way they're dismissing a lot of things in crypto. They're, they went, who's going to use a mobile first exchange to trade stocks? Um, who, who, who cares that it's free? You want to go on your you know, E-Trade account, you're happy paying 10 bucks a trade or whatever, you know? But, you know, but, but really, it's, it just shows where, where things are going. The user experience is really, really important. And part of that user experience, obviously, for many, many people is, is the safety and comfortability and trusting that if you click on that button to talk to a person, a real person is there, right? Um, uh, and, and I think I think one of the sort of key things, sort of with that, and I, you know, I was I was just uh, chatting with a family office uh, quite recently, and they were just like, my mom told me to figure out how to buy Bitcoin, right? And and they were they were you know they were they they were experienced, um, but you know it's it's just all over the news. You're hearing all about it, and then you see this record inflation right i mean you've got governments releasing inflation numbers at two percent to five percent these days and and there's no way any of these numbers are right because if you know you just look at how much you're paying on, on things over the last year you know it's higher and you can look at real estate prices right it's um it's been interesting i mean i, I was looking at a report the other day for canada saying the average home price went up 30 percent in the last yeah. year which is insane That's um it's crazy and, and that's just going to loop back into inflation though, right? So over time, you're going to see this, you know, carry on through other assets. You're seeing it right now in lumber price and all sorts of other commodities. And, and it's, you know, it, you, you've got to find ways to hedge inflation. And, and one of them can be, you know, Bitcoin, for example.
Yeah, you know, it's it's crazy going with George, what George was saying earlier about, you know, that kind of the age gap, you know, now, uh, I think a lot of it has to do, you know, in the beginning, it was a lot of these, um, you know, people like me, like, you know, just coding people, and it was kind of built towards us, you know, um, but now with certain tools, um, you know, I, I'm happy to say, like, I've got three generations, my parents and my grandparents are all on, on you know, they have their Bitcoin, they have their crypto, they have their Ethereum, their, their cost dollar averaging, and they know to Hello. keep it in there and to save. That's you my know. mom watching right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, as long as that you, there's a little bit of learning curve. And I think that with more adoption and more, more cool tools that people are making to make it that, you know, that user experience easier, it's just a little bit different of a language, but it, all in all, it's, you know, it's, it's the same thing um, just with a different, you know, twist to it. 1000%. So guys, I want to, uh, I want to make sure everyone can participate and hang out um, afterwards and network. So hold on, I gotta go back to the screen. Everybody who's watching, make sure you go to meet.blockchainbooze.io so that you can come hang out at a table, turn on your uh, uh, camera if you want and talk to us and hang out with us um, when I end the stream in a few minutes. Um, so, uh, but before we go, um, I want last words. Um, Ali, George, uh, Andrew, tell us where to find you. Ali, go first, um, Blockchain Founders Fund. Yeah, so I mean, feel free to reach out to me on on Twitter or LinkedIn at Ali Madavji or visit blockchainff.com. If you're working on a startup, let us know what you're working on. We respond to everyone that reaches out to us. So, um, you know, and, and for sure, I mean, of course, to, to Draper Gornholm as well, which we're investors in. So, yeah, it's a win win. George, uh, where, where can uh, everyone find you? H2 Crypto. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter. You can find the company on Twitter. And please, I ask you all to go to h2crypto.io and sign up and we will get you on the wait list and fill you with all the details as we move down the track here. Awesome. Thank you. Andrew, uh, do you yeah. have a plug for your startup yet? Or yes, hey, man. You know, okay. no, check out, check out noblenetworks.io and you can Ooh. find me on LinkedIn as well and Twitter, obviously. Awesome. So, so everyone, thanks again, one, for, for the guests for joining us. Thanks, Andrew, for popping backstage and for the audience and everyone hanging out, participating live. Um, and something I, I, I should have mentioned earlier, make sure to go to drapergorenholm.com, pitch uh, your startup to us, check out future events. We're working right now on getting everything together for LA Blockchain Summit. It's going to be huge. And um, hit me on Twitter with feedback on this where I'm, I, I like, for me, the chaos and hanging out with the community and bringing, like I was telling Ali and George before this, I like just, I'm gonna call on some of my friends, like, you know, the Lunar Crush guys, Ali, George, the rest of you guys to come up on stage on a regular basis. I'll bring in some big guests like we've been doing in the past, but have it be more community driven and hang out and be that, you know, hang session once a week where we can have beer and, uh, and learn from each other, talk about what's going on. But if you guys uh, have feedback for me, good, bad, ugly, uh, hit me up. I want to hear it. And if you have ideas for guests and people we should hit, um, I, I sent like probably 30 emails today to a lot of really cool people. But I, I might be missing, uh, I'm sure I'm missing a bunch of really cool people. So, so hit me up about that. So everybody, thank you so much. Um, it was awesome to uh, see you all. I will see you all next week. Cheers. Thanks, See ya. Thanks, everyone. Go to meet.blockchainbooze.io right now. 
This has been a production of Industry Pods in association with Evergreen Podcasts Network. Hear this and other industry pods at evergreenpodcasts.com, your favorite podcast app, or listen at industrypods.com for your number one virtual conference podcast experience.